Hi, and welcome to the Unconventionalist Podcast, the show about what it's really like to turn your message into a movement. I'm your host, Mark Roost, and today's guest is James Eder. But before I get into James' phenomenal story that I know you're going to fall in love with, I had a few announcements to share with you. Now, the first one is probably the most exciting one, is that my TEDx talk is officially live. That's right. The TEDx talk I gave at TEDx Cardiff on the 22nd of April is now live. It's on YouTube, and you can go and check it out at marklarus.com forward slash TEDx. It's probably the easiest way for you to find it. Otherwise, you can just sort of scouse through all the different videos on YouTube. Type my name in TEDx, a whole bunch of videos will come up. But type in marklarus.com forward slash TEDx and check it out. And I've got to say, the response I've had since it's gone live has been super overwhelming in the sense that people I hadn't heard of in years have reached out and have tagged me in their post and shared it on their social media feeds, whether that's Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. And it's just been this incredible journey of six to eight months, depending on how you count it, of getting to this point of delivering that talk and now sharing it with the world. So check it out. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts, what you got out of it, if anything resonated with you, and just let me know. It, it means a lot to me, so go and check it out. It's markruse.com forward slash TEDx. The other thing that you'll notice when you go and check out my TEDx talk is that the unconventionalist websites had a facelift. That's right. The amazing graphic designer and artist Emily Romano did a facelift on my website, really got the great color grades, and you'll see there's just such a nicer feel to it. She's done all these hand-drawn illustrations to go with it. And I'm super, super excited to, to give you a kind of a, a preview of it. So you can go and check it out, markruse.com. And if you want to get in touch with Emily, or as we know her as M, uh, go and do that at emilyromano.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-R-O-M-A-N-O.com. Tell her I sent you because she's just amazing. And I know she'll appreciate so much any kind words you've got to send her way. Um, the other exciting news is that the Impact Accelerator, the uh, accelerator that I launched in April that graduated in June, I'm going to do the second cohort and I'm launching it this fall. So stay tuned for the exact date that we're going to be launching it, but you want to save your calendar, block out at least from the 23rd of October to the 20th of December, that kind of timing. Um, it's going to be an amazing opportunity to work with me personally where I'm going to be mentoring you. I'm going to be hosting a group of incredible individuals who are going to come together to learn how to really understand better their story and craft their message, how to build an audience, and how do you turn your message into a movement. If you want to fall in love with broadcasting, this is it. So I'll keep you posted, but do let me know if you want to get on the waiting list because I'm, I'm expecting this to be a very exciting opportunity. The other thing I wanted to let you know is that we have now reached 27,000 downloads. This is thanks to you and for listening and for sharing it with your friends. And I've got to say, every single time I do get a message from you or I do get tagged in one of your social media posts to let me know what you got out of one of your episodes or your favorite episodes, it just makes my day. So keep keep doing it. Keep letting me know. Um, and in fact, I was, I was teaching a class the other day of 20 uh, budding podcasters who wanted to launch their podcast. And it got me thinking that actually, how cool would it be if I could spend a weekend with a bunch of awesome people who want to get their message out there, who want to learn how to master podcasting and who are total beginners, but who want to go everything from what gear do I need? What editing software do I need to use? How do I get the intro music? How do I even craft the idea of my podcast? How do I get guests? How do I create the same atmosphere and thing that you do on your podcast? All of that. 
So I've decided to launch my exclusive podcast bootcamp on the 16th and 17th of September. So save the date. I'll be sending you more information about that. Uh, I'm going to cap it at 20 people max. So that should be a ton of fun. So really looking forward to uh, that weekend. I'll give you some information shortly. Um, and the other thing I want to let you know is that I'm starting this week, this coming week, sorry, my uh, the accelerator that I've been accepted on at Entrepreneurial Spark, which is very exciting and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm going to have an office space and an angel at the RBS offices, literally like three meters away from angel. So if you're in the neighborhood or in the area, do give me a shout. Uh, we can go grab a coffee. Uh, I don't drink coffee, but you can have coffee. I'll have a green tea or something <laughs> or a smoothie. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm super excited. The, the thing it's also made me remind is that this weekend, I spent it working on the landing page of the Impact Accelerator. And I was working pretty much all day and night up until late hours. If you're following me on Instagram, you can find me at Mark LaRousse, by the way. Go and check out the uh, the stories that I'm putting out there. And you'll see that I've been working quite till late. And I was calling one of my friends, Olivier Thomas, who's going to come on the show. He's the founder of GenSmart. It's going to be a revolutionary app that's going to help you crack and understand your genetic code so that you can reach your health potential. Super excited about that. So I was just chatting with him and we were just kind of both saying like how hard it is to sometimes make difficult choices. Choices such as, you know, do you go out and go to barbecue and have beers and have fun or do you grind and bite down on your mouth guard and just keep going and finish your website so you can launch it on time? Things like that. You know, things like, do you go and do with this 12-week accelerated program where you get an opportunity to meet other entrepreneurs, you get free office space, you get mentoring, but you have to miss the holiday you're supposed to go with your girlfriend for a hol- for a birthday. And that was probably one of the hardest things. You know, we had a great chat with my partner and she's amazing and super supportive and we just had to shorten down a holiday. But that just landed really at the worst time. Um, and it's difficult choices that we all have to make. And I think this is why I'm excited about today's interview. Because today I sat down with a man called James Eder. Now, I don't know if the name rings a bell, but most definitely, at least if you've lived in the UK and probably worldwide as well, you would have heard of his first business that you launched. Now, he was 22 years old. He was at the University of Birmingham. And two weeks before graduating, he launched Student Bean with his brother, Michael, who then joined. And Student Bean is probably one of the fastest growing student companies ever. They had 1 million unique visitors a month. And they were giving discounts and deals for students. And it's been going on now for 12 years. And because of his amazing achievement through Student Beans, he was invited as the alumnus of the year at the University of Birmingham in 2015. And he since then quit and kind of walked away as a full-time CEO of the company. And instead, he's now launched a new app called Causa. And he calls himself the founder and chief collision creator. Uh, And Causa is basically like a location-based app that connects professionals on the go. And when I had a chat with him and we were introduced by uh, a friend, Ben Bradbury, who told me about James and said, I think he's going to be a great guest. And and he was, and he is. It's just an incredible interview um, where we talk about sort of the ups and downs of the journey, about what it took for him to believe in himself, to keep going. And why did he decide to reinvent himself 12 years on after running a super successful, still being super successful, successful business. And, um, you know, and we talked about how eight months ago, Richard Branson posted on LinkedIn uh, a link to his company, to Causa, and just, you know, what's involved with the, with the rounds of investment. And, and you're going to hear towards the end of the interview, something happened. And this is why I love doing this podcast. I love it because these moments of total honesty 
I think are quite rare. And at least in our world, we tend to see a lot of, and I'm guilty of this, of online media and social media putting out all these great stories and great life and all this stuff. But the reality behind that that sometimes happens are these incredible journeys are just not spoken to and not spoken about. And some things happen along the way, some things unexpected and some things that are scary. And James opened up about something in the end of the interview. And I really want you to hang around and listen to this because it's an incredible bravery from James to talk about it. And it's just, again, I finished that interview just going, this is why I do this. This is, you know, the hours spent in the editing suite in locked up and on when it's sunny outside to get this out to you so that hopefully I, I have this belief or this wish that you're somewhere listening to this and that this episode or these words or this guest or my message is going to somehow have an impact on your life. It's going to somehow shift something inside you that's needed so that you can take action, so that you can go for that change, so that you can embrace whatever crazy dream you have. I don't know what it is. I don't know where you are. But what I do know is that if we do keep on sharing these messages and we keep on chipping it away at it, eventually it'll get through. So without further ado, I give you the one and only James Eder. James, welcome to the show. Hi, great to be here. Yeah, really, really excited to have you on the show. Uh, I must apologize again. We were supposed to schedule a bit earlier and then I had to cancel last minute. No, it's always. Uh, feel, uh, always. It's meant to be when it's meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Here, so and we're going to be talking about things that are meant to be and how to force things that are meant to be. Absolutely. <laughs> in a minute. Um, but James, uh, I was trying to think, every guest I try and think about, how do we meet? And I think it was Ben Bradbury who introduced her back in March 2017 this year that's right yeah by email and then we connected on Skype yeah. and I remember like very quickly I was like dude we need to get you on the show like you've got such an exciting story such an exciting um, journey really to today and uh, there's so many questions I've got on my list here uh, but one of the first things I want to sort of start off with is that um, were you were you, did, you know, the entrepreneur, you know how people call, maybe might label you like a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. I decided to call you serial problem solver. Okay. That was Sounds my, good. No, that was my <laughs> as, a, as a kid, yeah. did you notice things around you more than perhaps some of your friends or perhaps some more of your family? Um, yeah, definitely. I think I was always kind of looking, I maybe always questioning, but always coming up maybe with ideas. And I think my first thing was really like the Blue Peter Brig and Buy Sale <laughs> stuff. I mean, like it was just real, you buy and sell stuff and you yeah. kind of get involved in that and get a bit excited about it and i guess there is something about making the money but it's you know it's creating something from nothing i yeah. guess that's the kind of thing and i remember we had a dalmatian that was uh, at the time similar to 101 dalmatians okay. came out so yeah. our dog got a lot of attention and what i ended up doing was um, going to our local park and taking photos of dogs like black and white photos of yeah. dogs and then the following week pr like printing them and then going back and trying to sell the prints <laughs> to the owners of the dogs yeah. and um and we made a bit of money um but unfortunately there was a day that was um it snowed a lot and i took some amazing pictures and i tried to develop the film myself at yeah. home and we had this dark room and i messed up with the chemicals <laughs> and it was one of those first you had to say okay i just don't have the patience for this and like the business like closed down yeah quickly after. Like, okay but you know that glimpse of yeah like i guess seeing stuff and yeah. creating and doing yeah um, yeah i was just i was just curious man i was just reading up about it i was just thinking you know had you seen these patterns you know do you do you see this when you grow up or is it something that you develop later on? I was, I was just curious about to see like if you notice now looking back at your childhood thinking, yeah, I think it was always kind of been around this this urge I have to kind of create something or solve something. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I was an ambassador for something, Startup Loans, which has now kind of grown into kind of a bigger entity. And there were 11 out of 12 ambassadors whose um, parents or grandparents were entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, and like an amazing, I guess, route. And I remember this funny story, and maybe it's these stories as you hear when you're growing up, mm. saying um, my grandparents um, left Vienna and they went to Malta. Uh, and they were running, they built a, like a hat factory and they were doing like hats and stuff. And yeah. they, my grandfather used to go over to England then and also like get the hats then to sell in, in the shop. And one day he decided on one of the trips, I'm going to buy some dresses. And he arrives back in Malta with these dresses and my grandmother's like, why do you buy dresses? You know, we sell hats. And anyway, they put up the dresses. The dresses sell far more quickly than the hats. And then my grandmother said to my grandfather, why didn't you buy more dresses? <laughs> um, and I guess it's just, you know, one of those, yeah, it's been maybe like passed down and you see yeah. them, you know, growing. They had a number of stores in London yeah. um, and kind of in, in the 80s and 90s and stuff. Yeah. And I guess growing up on a Sunday, going to visit them in yeah. the shops and seeing yeah. what they're doing. And I guess maybe maybe that rubbed Cool. Off. And did, did your parents follow the, the same footsteps? So, yeah. So my mum, it's fantastic. Um, as I was growing up, learned um, homeopathy and alternative mm. medicine and like Reiki and used to run trips swimming with dolphins in Hawaii. What? And like <laughs> amazing kind of stuff. Uh, and then my dad was a barrister. And so okay. Very much, I guess, a work ethic and that's funny. A, what a what a difference mix, right? Different mix, yeah. but I think I think the quality of it was around a, a work ethic and, sure. and building something yourself. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of not taking a, a day off almost. Yeah, wow, love that. That's so cool. <laughs> and so, um, you went to University of Birmingham, studied yeah. business, and two weeks before you graduated, your brother Michael joined you eventually. But you decided to start a business, a yeah. company called Student Beans. That's right. And it's funny because I, yeah, I remember when we caught up, I was like, Student Beans, that rings a bell. Why do mm. I know that? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And um, so Student Beans, it, correct me if I'm wrong, was basically the idea was around to have discount or better deals for students at university. But this is back in 2005. Yeah. You were 22 years old. So I was 22. And, and I, I mean, I basically, I remember arriving my first week of university and actually to take a step back as well, it, it was in 1999, mm. uh, 2000. So it was dial up internet still. Yeah. People listening remember that. And... <laughs> I created a website called needanumber.co.uk. Needanumber.co.uk. Uh, Needanumber. <laughs> uh, and it was a directory service. And actually, it's funny because we are sitting uh, less than a mile away from my school where, yeah. where this all happened. And we I knocked on doors actually in Hampstead, which is yeah. where we are now. And yeah. I went in and, and it was a Friday afternoon. It was four o'clock. And I went in and I spoke to this woman and she said, whatever you're selling, get out of my shop. And I just remember standing there with this experience thinking, right, we're going to help this business. You know, all businesses want to make money. We've got this local directory. We're going to charge like 10 quid to be on this website. Yeah. The profits are going to charity. And I was yeah. quite compelling. Within like 20 minutes, we ended up leaving money. In yeah, yeah, yeah. And this like learning and journey, I guess, was like almost what's the worst thing that can happen in that moment, mm. right? And the worst thing that can happen is they say no. Yeah. The best thing that can happen is they say yes, and then we move on. And we ended up signing up over 200 local businesses. <laughs> um, and I remember people saying, oh, my God, you're going to, you know, dot-com millionaire. This is, like, in the height of the bubble. <laughs> you know, my parents, like, you so know. So, like, 17 or something like that? Yeah, 17. Yeah. And my parents are, like, go to university. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is fun. Well done. But, like, you know, it's important. You go, yeah. go to university. Yeah, yeah. And, and we ended up wrapping wrapping up kind of that that business but what's interesting and we was it you and your brother again or no it was um a, f a few of us from school and actually two amazing people i think have gone on to do great things one of them anthony eskenazi who founded just park okay and they did the uk's i think maybe the globally the largest crowdfunding campaign i think they raised 3.7 million pounds couple of within the last couple of years um and it's where you rent out your driveway 
So what? <laughs> like the kind of Airbnb. <laughs> like Airbnb for parking. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And um, he's now based also in Kentish Town, which is kind of local. Um, and then the other guy we did that with was a guy called Musa Tarek, who ended up working at Anderson Consulting um, and then going over to Burberry and then head of social at Nike and then um, Apple Retail Social globally working no with like Tim Cook and Angela Berger and these amazing people. And now he's gone over to Ford. And I think about that journey yeah. when we were 17, all like learning by doing and yeah. really putting yourselves out, trialing something. And so I guess if you, you know, listeners kind of listen to this, kind of going, okay, how, how do you start if you've got an idea? It's just it's one of the things that's about like getting going and mm. like you can study and you can learn and you can read, but actually it's mm. by putting yourself out and trialing something. Yeah. And you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? And so I started university. I remember kind of calling a close friend of mine and just saying, what am I doing here? I hate this. I, I don't really want to be here. I want to be running this dot com and like <laughs> uh, sound like this drama. And um, she's like, look, stay out and, and see where you go. And in my first year I ended up, working on the summer balls so getting loads of sponsorship for this 24-hour party (laughs) and i was like selling tickets for club nights and parties and i was like living properly like submersing myself in amazing like university experience that i couldn't have done had i not been at university so i kind of look at university as that experience about getting involved and doing stuff and learning yeah and my degree is the degree which was great but i wouldn't have been able to do the other stuff had I, I not that. been there for the degree. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was kind of then coming to graduation and I had had all these experiences of lots of brands wanting to engage with university students and students love, I'm one of those people, I love a good deal. <laughs> and if, if you're listening, you're like, you're either that person or you know one of your friends is that deal person yeah. where they're like, I want to save money. My cousin's always got like wine, 16 different cards. Of like, yeah, exactly. Like everything. <laughs> um, and so I was that person. And it was amazing then when I graduated thinking, and as part of my degree, I had to do a business plan, ah, um, okay. which kind of helped. And then a joke saying, my brother normally tells me my ideas aren't very good. Yep. But this one, he was like, actually, I quite like this. And he came up with the name. So student beans yeah. was his idea. Because of baked beans, right? Baked beans, the idea yeah. of like a staple diet. So being kind of baked beans <laughs> on toast, being a staple. And then if student beans was a staple for student life, that would be cool. Yeah. And, you know, it was then on the brink of graduation and, and Michael came up to Birmingham and we spent some time together thinking about what, like, what's the vision? What do we want to mm. create? And it was all around how we can help students save money and help businesses. And literally we launched it September, 2005. Um, and I remember that even the first day we had people going on the website, printing vouchers. This is kind of back in the day before <laughs> smartphones and taking it in. And we had clients like Wagamama. We did two for one meals at Wagamama. Yeah. We had all these different brands and we signed up over 5,000 people in the first three months. And I remember going to Wagamama and asking them and they're like, oh yeah, we've had about 40 vouchers used today. And I'm there kind of so excited about this. Wow. And they're kind of like, you know, quite chilled out about it all, but don't appreciate, I guess, the real... Yeah, because I read, I read, I think in one of your articles you were talking about, it's like the classic egg and chicken yeah. scenario, right? Because you yeah. needed companies yeah. to get on board so that students would get excited, but without the students, you wouldn't get companies on board. Yeah, definitely. How did you solve that? So I think, a lot of this is about selling a vision and, and yeah. about going into your business saying, look, we're going to be the biggest website in Birmingham and then the UK and you should get involved with us. Um, and interestingly, more recently, we posted about my new company and I remember um, there was someone from Las Iguanas, the, the um, South American yeah. chain, the restaurant, and it was like, I think the operations director now, but he, I went and I sold to him and he originally, they spent a small amount of money, it was in the tens of pounds and then in one store for three months and then we then did it for a year and then we did it in multiple restaurants and it's it's interesting because talk about kind of creating a movement and a following it's mm. like 
it's not just the leader, but it's the people that follow and the people mm. that engage. And it's those are the those business decision makers yeah. enabled us to then grow because they bought in. And and he shared with me quite recently saying, you know, you and a guy called Stuart, he goes, you you know, you sold me the vision of what you were going to do, and like congratulations because you've you've realized yeah. and and I I bought in, but you properly came and sold me that yeah. vision which I bought. Yeah, in. well, yeah, and it's funny. I, I, I don't know. I don't know uh, what is fiction or what is truth in terms of the stories, but I, I read somewhere that you um in between your graduation ceremony, you were knocking on people's doors, on yeah. student doors, and like Definitely. hundreds, <laughs> if not thousands, of people. You go and talk and say, hey, do you, you should sign up on student beans. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, when when you were thinking about knocking on those doors, yeah. and I'm sure there must have been some stuff in the past. How did you deal with rejection? How did you deal with people like this sounds shit or <laughs> whatever? Like I'm not even open the door or whatever. Um, look, I think the door knocking is really interesting because on the one hand it was companies and shops and services, yeah. and then the other hand was like getting the students on board. Yeah. So it was like a lot of door knocking. Yeah. Um, I think my like the basis of where this all started was. Um, I ended up doing gala bingo telesales. <laughs> uh, and this was in between school and university. And I, every day, made about 250 phone calls. Um, and I got the, it, what's interesting is I got around 10% conversion rate, which is about pr pretty good. So yeah, around yeah. 25 people a day. But more importantly, I got told no about 700 times a day. <laughs> and that's because the training was we had to get them to say no three times. And so for me, I call it like no training as opposed to sales yeah. training, which yeah. directly intends your question, how do you deal? Yeah. You know, if you hear no once and you're in a relational rejection, sure. this is kind of like, sure. you don't feel that great, right? Yeah, and then yeah. you hear that 700 times a day. For, And I was there for seven, eight weeks or so. But amazing learning experiences. And I think that gave me real kind of a, a backbone and some experience that actually like, no doesn't always mean no as well because often they'd say no the first time and then you'd convince them so it's yeah. about understanding it was also statistics it's like it's the wolf of wall game. street yeah you just <laughs> like you've got to keep going and there's there's yeah. that like context uh and also demographics i think we ended up calling dudley one day and we ended up getting like 42 people signing up that was <laughs> you know if you are speaking to the right audience and that's and i think a lot of learnings then transfer is like is this a relevant student restaurant shop or service sure. that are going to be interested to students and are they you know that brand interested sure. in students on the conversely yeah. so i think you take all of those learnings and then you just like you know what this is important to me yeah. and i care about it and i remember one morning as well i was flying um near the university and i kept saying you need two for one meals two for one cinema tickets these things and this girl came up to me and she's like it's just a website like don't you know i was so excited and you could see most other people just don't really care when they're doing that kind of work and a few days later, she came up, she's like, oh, my God, you need to, like, add your tagline that's, like, too good to be true. Because <laughs> I went on it, and then I, I saw this, and she was, like, she kind of properly, like, turned. It was, like, so funny to see that. So. And, and and for people who listen to that, what's, what's the revenue model for that kind of business, then? Is it that you take the companies pay you a, a percentage, or is it, like, a fixed fee? How does that work? Yeah, so I think, look, originally there was a plan that they would pay us a fee per, per month, yeah. and then there's a fixed rate. And then, because at the time, you couldn't really track all of that stuff ah, was like, of course you know even till systems like i remember there was one brand that said we can only do this promotion in this way with one specific dish <laughs> so because that's the way the tills work so you couldn't do two for one but we yeah. could do um 50 you can guess which round it but it was a quarter chicken free <laughs> um if you buy another meal <laughs> and it's like okay and they're like yeah it's the till system i'm like okay <laughs> we'll do that then but it was fantastic promotion people yeah. loved it yeah, yeah but uh yeah so so there was a, a monthly subscription and then we charged like for a year for 12 months okay. and then 
it evolved over time and yeah. it's a lot more about online and tracking and yeah but well, it's crazy though because uh, you know that was uh, 12 years ago actually yeah. and um you know, your brother then joined you who had graduated a year before, who had That's a very right. successful eBay business, selling, right. importing toys from China, so that? Yeah, so there was the the wristband craze. That was it, yeah. uh, So he helped, definitely helped fuel that in the UK. Yeah. Um, and was doing amazing, I mean, he, unbelievable, yeah. selling kind of thousands of these kind of bands. Yeah, and you came, and came on board then, and he, and he joined? So he came on board, and, yeah. and again, operationally, it was amazing. So I would go, for example, into a shop um, or a restaurant, meet the owner or meet someone, and they'd go, okay, please send me an email. So I'd call Michael and be like, this is the name, this is the company. And he'd personalize the proposal. Yeah. And within 10 minutes, they'd receive an email, all branded with their name and their, even a photo of their shop or whatever yeah. it is. And then they'd be like, wow, you know, and like invite me then back in pretty quickly sure. to be sure. like, yeah, how can we help? So there was an amazing dynamic yeah. that we kind of, yeah, worked out together that would work. And how was it to work with your brother? Um, so amazingly, I think, brought challenges but yeah. i think the key thing with any partnership and i know i think it's always greener on the other side perhaps when you're by yourself <laughs> and, and starting my second venture as a sole founder yeah. you can see like the support network you need but it's mm. fundamentally about trust mm. and so despite us you know we definitely had arguments and frustrations and stuff but then actually it was about working through going we both want the business to succeed sure so it's like that's whatever we need to do. We need to make that happen. Yeah. So we have an argument and then we'd need to make decisions. So sure. we like make up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he is very, very different mindset to me. And I, I joke saying if I told him what our business was today, he'd say we probably couldn't do it. Like there's <laughs> <a> <coughs> and he thought like mentality behind it. But actually he's, yeah, very, very like functional, operational. And yeah. I'd keep coming back to the office with these new ideas and this is what we've got to do. And he'd be like, okay, try and make how can we land these things how can we, can make, we it make, make it work and make it happen yeah. so yeah great partnership yeah and you wrote an article I think uh, basically saying why you kind of I don't know if you stepped down or if you removed yourself from the day to day operations but uh, it was it was a really interesting take upon but I want, I want the listeners to hear about it from you so you know people might not realize the challenges that come with running a business over a decade yeah right as opposed to starting it up and the excitement of getting those new deals and getting the people on board what was one of the like? What were maybe one of the biggest reasons why you stepped down and removed yourself from the everyday operations? Yeah, so I think I mean it. It was a long time, uh, ten years. I think running a company and setting it up are two very very different things. Mm. Um, and I think I mean the real kind of scenarios, kind of the, the behind the scenes that kind of happened. I was traveling a lot for work, mm. and and it took its toll. It was like a really yeah. you know a, a challenging time in the business, and we were. Um, I, I was in, I went actually to South by Southwest and mm. was like really, again, back on the coal face, but just, I guess maybe bigger stakes, bigger challenges. And like, I love what the business is doing, but I just, I also had this other idea in me yeah. that was kind of, for me, I, I often speak at events and talking about kind of, you know, imagine if you couldn't fail. That was one of yeah. my, my big lines. When, when I started business, a friend of mine gave me a book. Was that the Naked Leader? The Naked Leader. Yeah. And it's imagine if you couldn't fail. And I was, I felt like I was giving these talks being like, imagine if you couldn't fail. And deep down inside, I had this idea mm. that I also wasn't acting upon myself. So mm. you talk about like authentic leadership and what you're mm. doing. And I just thought, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but I've, I've got to go and explore it. Because otherwise I'd be sitting there being like regret and being like, oh, you know, this is like challenges. And I just yeah. thought, you know, the business is, is bigger than me now. And actually I love what it's doing. And uh, there's so many opportunities for that. Yeah. But actually to to give Michael also the space and yeah. to allow the team to grow and 
and it, I needed to yeah. listen to myself. You know? It's amazing that you got like like a million unique visitors per month. You grew up a team of thirty people. I mean, it's phenomenal. You know what you guys have achieved as a team. It's 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 very admirable. And uh, but now I want to I want to sort of jump very quickly back to today's um, startup that you've started because. There's, I mean, I was going through your profile. I was just thinking, you know, you're, you're just crazy, man. You've got like so <laughs> much stuff on there. You know, from uh, I was looking at all the different business that you started, Friendly Friday or Kentish Cluster. Um, we might get some time to talk about them yeah. too because I think that's really cool. But um, that's basically what lo- led us today and to sort of chat is you launched a new startup or a new company yeah. uh, called Causa, a location-based and connection um, I'm going to mess it up, so I'm going to let you say it. How yeah. would you describe Causa, James? <laughs> Absolutely. So it, it's it's a location-based app <laughs> that basically connects people on the go. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's segue. I mean, it's interesting, you know, asking the question, like, what, what made me leave, mm. like, day-to-day student beans? And, you know, there were, I guess, three related stories. One was sitting on the underground, and a, a guy sat next to me with a CV, CV, yeah, CV yeah, yeah. in his hand. And I just said, you know, you're looking for a job. And a short version of a longer story, he said yes, and comes comes into the office, interviews. And it was funny because Michael interviewed him. And Michael's like, James told me this story about how you guys met. Can you just tell me your version of that story? <laughs> and he's like, well, I was sitting there and my CV was in my hand. And James just said to me like, oh, you know, you're looking for a job. And it was funny to hear that narrative. Yeah. Michael couldn't quite, you know, Michael, when I share my story, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't normally happen like that, James, <laughs> does it? That's just your, your world version of it. It's like, no, no, that's how it happened. Yeah. Um, and so the second story was we needed to speak to someone from a specific brand. And 10 minutes later, um, after that conversation with a colleague, I was standing on the Golders Green platform near where our office was. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't hear something over the tannoy. So I turned to the guy next to me and it turned out to be the exact person from the (laughs) brand I needed to talk to. And it was like, you know, we were talking about the book Synchronicity. This is like, how how does that just happen Mm. sometimes? And I guess the point is what stops often a lot of those things happening. And that was kind of, um, you know, the third part was then traveling a lot for work and being by myself, thinking there must be opportunities to help make my experience a better, more enjoyable experience. Mm. Um, and like dating apps have normalized this, right? Whether it be Tinder, Grindr, Happen, you can go on. It's oh, kind of normalized stuff. the way that you potentially that you can meet up and yeah. hook up or whatever. But actually no one's done this from a professional connection mm. perspective. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of define there as like three core pillars that I guess the question is what stops often a lot of those conversations? Mm, like and confidence. The, and the, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it leads into the first one is permission. So mm. often we don't feel like we've got permission and there's a Britishness about this yeah. as well, um, perhaps that we've got. But if, if people don't feel like they've got permission to, to connect or engage or speak. Um, and that's why, you know, if there's a common experience like the train's delayed, you can kind of hear them people like start going, oh, the train's delayed again. And, you know, it breaks, <laughs> breaks the ice or the weather is a common, obviously British thing to break yeah. the ice about. But I think we're very good once we've broken it, but often we don't feel like we've got the permission to do that. Yeah. Um, the second one is confidence. So, you know, I liken this to a lot of people attend events perhaps. And in theory, you've got all permission to speak to each other. And yet some people still don't because they don't have necessarily the confidence, yeah. which is a key thing. But the third one is context. Mm. I think this is the most powerful thing out of all of them. If I've got a frame of reference, if I'm sitting there and I know I'm sitting next to an investor and I'm looking for investment, perhaps, then it gives me context to say, hey, are you interested in, in you know, you're invested in tech, right. etc." And it gives me the context and then almost... I say Trump's the first two in terms of the, the permission and confidence sure. because I know what to say and that's why I kind of chat and it's, and it's okay to and it's okay to have those conversations in that in that environment. Absolutely. Yeah. But like I guess some people still go, Well, you can't possibly talk on the underground. Like you can't mm. you know, what's interesting there was um tube chat, which there's these badges and 
kind of I had that idea which was Friendly Friday a few years ago which I tried which was about you put on a badge and you give a badge to someone else mm. and on the badge it says say hello because it's about yeah. it's all related to this theme around connectivity yeah. but the tube chat badges there was this thing it just didn't work people were really anti it and were like I didn't know if you remember it was like, it was about a year ago or something mm. and I guess I'm like well, why didn't it work it's because people because it's awkward for people it's awkward for people yeah and, and permission and that yeah. context thing um but actually yeah if you can yeah, and I, yeah i mean you know i think you know i'm not as as like uh, not quite as far as as where you're at but i do try and strike up a conversation once in a while i'll be sitting in the tube uh, an old man i remember was standing in front of me and i don't know i was like oh where are you from and and he spoke and i thought he was from scotland but he was from actually islington his whole life <laughs> of course he was <laughs> but, I could, I could, but we started having a chat and you know it's very unusual for a lot of people to sort of have conversations like that um and and and, the, and there's something around which which i loved about this idea of uh kind of is it that you manufacture um serendipity is there something so about the, the vision i guess is around it's it's creating these like millions of meaningful connections yeah. for people nearby all around the world every day and the emphasis is like from a location like we're attracted to being in similar places like-minded people go to similar places we yeah. work in similar places we shop we um you know go for drinks etc and in terms of the manufacturing serendipity absolutely it's like how can we facilitate that and you think about you know i guess the days before uber but uber you know you're on one road and there's a, a taxi or a car on the road parallel and you just don't know and it's about matching those two so yeah. despite me sharing i guess those coincidences or things that yeah have happened how many things haven't happened that we could unlock yeah and, and that's how we can use technology to help that happen yeah i love that and, and there's a story that you shared at one point that you did a uber share i forgot what they're called you just uber splash i don't know what they're yeah. called um the uber pool uber pool <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go one of them yeah. and uh you're like making these amazing connections and you're like yeah. you know it's a shame that we need a car a share car ride or a pool yeah. Poor right, in order to make these connections. Yeah. Um, and so eight months ago, Richard Branson posted on LinkedIn a link to a Virgin startup article that was published in November 2016 yeah. that kind of profiled you guys. And um, I think he said something like, technology should enable more in-person interactions, not reduce them. Good example here or something like that. Yeah. It got lots of traction. And yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that for you then as a, as a new sole founder again yeah. to get recognition from Richard Branson, I guess. Yeah, um, it was pretty. I mean, it was pretty awesome, and and it, it's happy. It's funny because that got put out on a Saturday, um, and I was doing some mentoring um, at a startup at like hackathon weekend, and suddenly just these pings kept happening. You're like, oh, okay, and again and again, and it just like suddenly took this momentum, and we we had downloads from Australia and from New Zealand and messages from the US and Africa and like. It's amazing, I guess, that kind of reach and engagement and that credibility around, you know, acknowledgement and, and spot on in terms of that message around it's not technology for technology's sake. Like, I don't believe we need another digital network today. You know, um, as my framing is Facebook's for connecting friends um, and then LinkedIn's connecting your professional network that you're loosely connected or generally, you know, and I know they've they've creeping away from that. Mm to general connections but still the idea is if you're nearby someone enabling to unlock yeah. it's not about connecting with them online and yeah. having it's about that real face-to-face -face connection yeah. and and enabling and unlocking that and we know when you have that face-to-face -face connection that makes a more meaningful connection and there is a deeper connection yeah um yeah and how so how has it been then how's the journey been like just starting all over again and you know as you said like sole founder i guess yeah um yeah, I'm just How's really, I'm just really, just, yeah, I'm just really interested. Like, 
to come back, like obviously you're not 22 anymore. Yep. Um, you know, you're back out there. You've got to pitch again. You've got yep. to get people excited again about what you do. How is it round two? So it's been it's been really I I say challenging eighteen months. We I've I've not done an investment round before, so I, I closed a round of angel round investment, which is a really interesting and exciting journey in itself. So I got kind of four fantastic angels on board, um, and then I started working with an agency down in Bristol to help build out the first product. And you know you make all these assumptions, and then it launches, and then. Um, you know, I think the world is, there's so much more noise than there was. And I, I'm going to coin this, like, as apathy. Mm. That just, like, there's an app for everything. And it's, like, you know, people on first instance are, like, well, why why should I do this? Yeah. Why is it different? What's in it for me? And what's in it for me? Why is it different? And I'm, like, you know, the real need, and I guess there are two big audiences. One is the business traveler. So, you know, and this was experiencing it often, eating alone, being by myself, landing, yeah. being delayed in airports, yeah. thinking, there must be useful, interesting opportunities, mm. connections. How can mm. we unlock those? And also freelancers constantly looking yeah. for opportunity to connect. So yeah. those are the two kind of big hubs. But yet still they're like, oh, we've got a Slack group. You know, I'm speaking to like, for example, communities. We're trying to unlock like existing I don't get. I don't, I don't, I don't get the, the high brand Slack. No. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've tried it a few times. Sorry, <laughs> Slack. If you're thinking about sponsoring this po podcast, I love you. Um, <laughs> But really, like I've I've tried it a few times. I've tried it with my team and stuff yeah. like that, and I just don't get the the massive. I mean, for us, we use it as a team, and yeah. it's like a good internal tool. But like my frame of reference is there's a lot, whether it be Twitter um, as well, and even you know what do people currently do today? People post on Facebook going, "Hey, I'm going to be in Barcelona over the weekend. Anyone around?" Mm. And like, if it only goes to your network, or if it goes wide, like yeah the frame of reference to enable people to connect like that is just like not there. Yeah. Similarly, LinkedIn, like the, the, the context of what we're trying to create and unlock kind of these opportunities. So there is a very clear, I guess, in my mind, because I live and breathe it and like, obviously <laughs> it's different. Um, but also we're speaking to like alumni networks. So mm. imagine you could land in New York and be like, who's nearby from the University of Birmingham? Mm. Like that's awesome because there's a yeah. level of trust, association, context yeah. that, you know, like-minded people. And that's, I, you compare it to if I knew that I was sitting next to a Tesco club card customer, it doesn't really resonate with me. I don't really care. But if I knew that they were an investor or they went to my university mm. or they worked at the same company mm. as me, perhaps those are kind of frames of reference. That actually, yeah. Would it result in an interesting conversation? Yeah. And if it would, that's the kind of community that we're looking to connect. So yeah. originally we're like, yeah, this B2C play and getting consumer you know and, and anyone can go and download the app that's great yeah but actually it's our focus at the moment it's about existing communities and it's trying to get people over mm. hurdles and like i think people have just been burnt by other platforms yeah just like you know, they true. try and use it and then people don't and then they're like this apathy which i'm gonna but it's tough to, huh? just don't come. it's really tough i mean i was i was advising a startup um boomcast and i think they've kind of gone a bit of uh, i think they're a bit kind of slowed down now but you know, it was an amazing. I thought the idea was great. It was like a social media platform for change. It was all about getting really positive activists on board, and they got a few. I think they got a, some investment, and then, pff, you know, it's just it's just tough. People kind of die out of it or bored of it. And then you, exactly what you say, you speak to people, and there's this massive wave coming away from social media. You know, it's like well, I, I run class at like General Assembly and that kind of stuff, and I often ask people what social media you're on, and I'll name the different social media. The biggest trend I've noticed is that people. Are, are less and less on Facebook. Yeah. Instagram is now by far the one I get the most responses for. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, they've pretty much taken everything that Snapchat does and all the other stuff and, and try yeah. to put it. Um, but what have you found the biggest 
difficult your challenge from building a website platform yeah like soon being to actually trying to build an app and launch the app what are the different kind of challenges i think look 12 years ago it was a lot more greenfield yeah. like you know there's just this you know constant like there's a new thing launching yeah. every i say minute and i know there's the stats that go on average people installed minus one apps last year i mean you're just like <laughs> the terms of people yeah. keeping them on their phones and the engagement and the yeah. opportunity and like you know it's it's more and more prevalent like an idea is an idea but it, around the execution and the team what are people looking for and there's the install but then there's the actual creating an mm. account and then actual people like using it and people coming back and so many learnings that yeah. still you know i underestimate we had 80 percent of our test users were on ios so we then created the ios app first um we then every time we post online it's like why are you not on android like and it's like people not really having an appreciation that like to have it on both platforms is, is expensive yeah, and yeah. then you need to maintain both and then if you're fixing something on yeah, one then you, you need to replicate it, yeah. so and i went through i mean the beginning of the year one of the biggest challenges finding a technical co-founder which mm. i did try to do before i started mm. but you know and i ended up cold reaching out to over 800 people i mean just in terms of a process of just and going to events and speaking to people and linkedin and just all of these different things and then that led to about 50 warmer more like email back and forth and then about 20 phone calls and then six kind of final potentials and that was some people working for an agency that was like a cto stand-in that wasn't your full cto but oh, they wow. could do part-time okay. versus have, having someone full-time and i found you know this amazing guy full that's working with me until we get our next round of investment so to help build out the android yeah. version which again is it's like a whole process in itself and i think that's my phrase you know you overestimate what you can do in a day but underestimate yeah, what you can, can do, do in a year, year or yeah. you know those different time frames and you know absolutely i'm definitely one of those write 20 things to do on your to-do list you're never going to complete all of them but yeah. you do some but yeah. that still feels quite unsatisfying yeah. <laughs> there's always so much to do well do, do you have any kind of uh, like daily routines do you have anything like that you that gets you through the day any morning rituals any like habits that you've that you've kind of adopted over the years um it's a great question i think i'm a very good i think i know what i should be doing <laughs> but i don't necessarily stick to them fully um i definitely be doing actually headspace and mindfulness mm, stuff like yeah i was doing that this morning yeah so it's just like really really and it's you know you talk about like habit forming i think it's 66 days it's about doing something 66 mm. days in a row and then it becomes kind of this habitual that sounds um, way more realistic than the 21 days thing yeah i think so um and the the big i guess time management stuff was getting things done by david allen i'm a huge mm. fan um and amazingly actually i was at an event where he had offered to do it was like a charity auction thing and he'd offered to give a day of his time for the winner and i remember having i'd done his public course and i'd written i'd read his book so i stood up at the event i go this is amazing. Like, please bid. Like, this is really great. And no one was bidding. So I was like, well, if you're not going to bid, then I'm going to get this. You know, this is yeah. amazing. So I put in some bid, ended up winning. And he <laughs> came to Student B. He came to our office. Really? delivered a session for a, a day with he, he came with his wife. He delivered this amazing session. Wow. Um, and it was just, you know, I guess it's one of those things. Well, if you're not going to get involved, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take yeah, this yeah, one yeah. <laughs> Um, and life-changing, just around, like, understanding, look, again, it's about the next steps, your system and process of, like, yeah. having one in box and trying yeah. to, you know, manage that and be efficient. And the bi the biggest, I think, is when you're emailing people, again, people, emails, is it good or bad, but um, having a folder, which is a waiting for folder. So to create that for mm. you, 
every email that I sent. So when we were arranging today, for yeah. example, um, I'd send you an email and I'd copy myself in and I put it in a folder waiting for. And then the idea is like, say once a week, you just go through that waiting for folder because otherwise it's off your mind. You know, you send an email and then a few months later, you're like, oh, I sent that. And where is that? And and so it's about it's taking, headspace, it's taking the headspace. Yeah, yeah. And you, you're thinking about it. So actually, it, your mind has never been designed to do yeah. all this holding yeah. this information. I've heard that. Before. And yeah. so for me, that's the most useful. And even though now I've maybe got 700 things in my waiting for folder. <laughs> Does that not like give you more panic now? No, because now I know it's there. And so whenever literally, you, yeah. and it's not even whenever, it's, it's like once a week, I go through yeah. and I start at the end and I go, right, is that relevant to pull this in now? Should I send them a chaser? Should I follow up now? And yeah. that is just fundamentally changed yeah the way that mm. i like manage i guess my inbox and what's needed to be done yeah and making sure that those things don't kind of fall through the cracks yeah there's there's a line i read from you somewhere that you said um when you were talking about your experience at the thing at student launching student bean and knocking on the doors you said i was willing to do what others wouldn't yeah what do you mean by that so i think i mean in especially in a, such a digital world today like people think oh, i'll do a few facebook ads and then put it out <laughs> and then oh that didn't work okay never mind and it's just like you know with with student beans i was literally at 6 30 in the morning going business breakfast networking through till 11 at night i went into i remember this smoke filled taxi company this like huge man who was running like the taxi cartel in in birmingham <laughs> um and you know he wrote he wouldn't give me you know a check and paying me money and i just remember like going and going like you owe me money like or like and trying to convince him go you're going to be the only taxi company and on every voucher that people print your advert will be on the bottom of every single voucher and no other company and you know negotiating that and i guess having the you know, gumption to go out there and yeah. to put yourself on the line. And, and for students as well, I literally knocked on um, two, 3,000 doors in, in Birmingham, in Selioke. And I still, I went back, um, I go back every year, normally I'm giving kind of lectures and stuff, and I went back and I still walk around and there are still some stickers kind of up in the windows no 12 way. years later. And, you know, that's, it, it takes someone yeah. and time to, to, and again, that's the do what other people won't do. Yeah. And it's, you know, uh, 2015, you were invited to go to Birmingham and you were the alumni of the year and you gave a speech. I did. At the graduation <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> what was that like then? To, to oh, that was, back? it was, to be honest, the most formal nerve-wracking <laughs> speech I've ever given. And I had to like wear the formal uh, mortarboard and I had to doff the like the dean and was like, you know, do all this formal thing. Um, and yeah, it was an amazing experience. And I guess a real reflection of, you know, where we'll come from and it was at the bridge of this transitioning almost mm. this transitioning point of kind of it felt almost like my not farewell from a, a student beans perspective but there was a lot going on in the background at mm. the time that was, was just about transitioning that time yeah so it was an amazing kind of you know yeah line in the sand of like l uh, 10 years and you know again i, I see younger people listening to this and and older it's like that you just don't know when you're on the brink of graduation like what what life's gonna bring mm. and, but um genuinely believe you know when you you know leap that kind of the, the net appears and yeah and and, and things happen and yeah. giving space i remember i was mentoring um someone that was like in a job at the moment and she was like oh, i can't like afford to stop but then i don't have the time or space and like should i invest in my website and i'm not sure if i want to and mm. and actually by doing it 
and then leaving the company it then mm. opened up space to get bookings to you know because mm. it kind of it forces you and then yeah. uh, swim or sink I guess exactly and I think people say this about relationships as well it's like when you've got so much going on you don't have the time or space for it but actually if you do open things up mm. and, and give yourself that I guess that time and space yeah. then then things appear and you meet the right people do you ever slow down do you do, do you ever kind of stop and pause and take some time out um yes um, I love to ski, mm. uh, which is my like at the top of a mountain, and it's one of those I guess activities that you can't be on your phone or email. <laughs> and kind yeah, of that's attached. a bit dangerous. Um, yeah, a bit dangerous. But I'm definitely like you know, look from going from my first startup to to like being, I guess, a bit more balanced. And again, the mindfulness stuff I think does does really mm. really help. But um, you know, I think there's it's about you know balance. I was interviewed as well just talking about like work life and this like balance between the two. And I think for me, it's about life yeah. and it's whether you're living it and yeah. how you're living it the way that you want to live it. And mm. people look at it, you know, like last night I was at a pitching event till about nine thirty, then on a call to the U S from ten thirty till around eleven thirty, mm. And you know, people are like, why are you doing that then? And it's like, well, it's U S and that's how it works and yeah. you get on with it. And, and it was like a really interesting call and mm. you just, you know, I'm enjoying it, right? Yeah. And and I think my favorite Steve Jobs quotes was, you know, if you wake up too many times in a row and you're not enjoying doing what you're doing, then you've got to change yeah. it. Yeah. And you know, I think that's you know important, and it's hard being on the cold face. Like yeah. It's, you know, I I joke saying I wouldn't want to wish on anyone what I experienced. Yeah. Uh, which might sound a bit harsh from sure. a student bean's perspective. Sure. And the brutality of mm. of it, and and even with cause that there are days that sure. like, I wouldn't want to wish on anyone sometimes yeah. what I got to do. But yeah. But mate, that, you know, um, hundred percent. I think, I think, you know, I don't know if you had time to see my TEDx talk yet, but it's, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things I talk about is there's this study that came out from Bloomberg around eight out of 10 entrepreneurs fail within the first 18 months. Yeah. And yet I feel like there's this massive wave of entrepreneurship being hip and cool that so many people aspire to become entrepreneurs and make up that, being an entrepreneur is the only way to be happy and successful and free and all this stuff. Um, what do you think gets in the way? You know, we talked about what if you couldn't fail and we talked about what's the worst that could happen. But yeah. in your experience and you've mentored many people, you've been in environments for the last, what, 15 years? I don't yeah. know how many years you've been you know, in businesses. What do you think gets in the way of people pulling the trigger, acting upon their idea and testing it out? And I'd love to also hear why you think most people fail. Okay, lots of questions in there. Um, <laughs> so, so what what stops people doing it in the first place? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, the first question. Yeah. yeah, the first one is like, what do you think stops people from going from idea to income or from taking action upon? Hey, I've got this idea, right? I've got yeah. this idea of an app about how how, how cool would it be if we could get people to meet up in person that would never normally meet because yeah. of being embarrassed and not confidence and context. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So it was really interesting. I was uh, I said at this pitching event last night, and I was in the lift at the end. And the guy was just like, like, it's really simple. I sell um, speakers, uh, um, Bluetooth speakers, and I buy them for, you know, 10 pounds. I sell them for 30 pounds, you know, buy them for less, sell them for more, and I make money. <laughs> and it's just like, duh. Like, and <laughs> the thing is that I think partly the challenge is there's lots of, including Causa at the moment. Mm. Like, it's a f people are like, how do you make money? At the moment, it's a free app that you download. Yeah. We don't. Like, is the vision and the idea that there'll be a premium version? Yes. Yeah. And is there a license fee for big businesses to use it? Yes, that's the plan. But is it, you know, and I'm validating that at the moment. I'm trying to mm. see the market fit and who mm. wants it and all of this and how it's actually going to work. Um, 
so I think, and, and Michael, um, if I think about student beans as well, like we were making money before we launched. Like it was we cash go positive in, startup. Cash positive. Yeah. We go in. This is the plan, and and you've got to be, you know believe in it and mm. sell it and everything. And so I think that's this misnomer that everyone thinks you're going to be the next Facebook or whatever. <laughs> and, and it's just not going to happen. And that's why so many, maybe it's answering the same question. Sure. Why do so many fail? It's because actually there's not a, like a tangible fundamental business behind it. That mm. it's just like, look, we'll grow and then we'll make it. Whereas in the UK, the appetite for those kind of investments are very, very small mm. and the chances of success also very, very small. Mm. Um, and so just the whole ecosystem is maybe not set up to do that. Mm. But then also you could question, well, it's not, buy it cheap, sell it high and make money. Like that would just a business fundamentals just out sure, there. Sure. And that's why I think a lot of them, you know, fail and time will tell still with yeah. cause if, 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 you know, we're, we're part of that journey. Yeah. Um, but there's a fundamental business model that I believe in behind it. Yeah. So that's like, I guess what's keeping me maybe sane. Yeah. <laughs> um, from not being part of, of, of that yeah, pool of people. And I love what you just said, because it, it, it kind of leads me to my, to my other question, which is around how do you know, when to commit or when to quit? Mm. How do you know if you're being delusional or if you just need to push a bit more? Like yeah. for you, like how do you how do you recognize that? I think it's it's asking the important question. One is, do you still want to do it? Like, is this really? Um, and again, I was mentoring someone else um, recently, and you know, we had decided a plan of right. You need to go and speak to these people. This is what we need to do. Okay, great. And then we met up again, and it's like, have we done that? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, the question, do you really want to do this? Like, if you Straight don't, up. you don't want to, that's fine. Like, but, but let's just be honest. Be, yeah. Let's be honest about it. Like, because, again, that whole, you need to do what others aren't willing to do. Yeah. You know, it's like speaking to people in real life with that frontal rejection and mm. fear of all of that stuff. Like, mm. that's real. That's not just posting a few things on Facebook. <laughs> oh, no one signed up. Never mind. You know, yeah. but it, it it's real. So, you know, I think it's, do you have it in you that you still like really, really like want to do it? And mm. you know, that's why I love, again, it's so great to be interviewed today and to be able to talk about it and you kind of get to, you know, away from like the, you're trying to push this thing. Sure. And it's like, it's so exciting what we're trying to create and yeah. build in this world mm. and remembering like that vision and purpose, like why you're mm. doing that. And if that disconnection is too far, then you're not going to have it in you. You won't have the self-motivation to do it. And therefore mm. you probably kind of listen to yourself that it's probably not going to work yeah um and in terms of then yeah making that decision so listen to that there's a list of things that i've got and i guess since i started the business in the first round of funding of like right i need to work through these things mm. have i done everything that i can do whilst i'm like really passionate i really want to do this have i done everything and mm. explored everything mm. that's possible and if i've still got a few things in me that i need and want to do i got to keep going because otherwise i look back and be like well i give it a go but like oh if i had done that then maybe it would have worked yeah. like that's the worst i think scenario yeah so i just got to remember like what have i done i've left the previous company to go and set up something new like i've chosen like that's also mm. a big thing it's about choice mm. um and i remember my lowest moments in in kind of uh, the beans group over the last 12 years when i was there was like not feeling like i've got choice mm. And that was like a really, because we'd, you know, grown the business and say there were 10 plus salaries that I had like created the business that we needed to sustain on everything that I was guess, selling and what mm. I was doing. That's like a lot of pressure. Yeah. And then if I chose, I didn't want to go in this morning. I couldn't do that. Like, <laughs> not that I wanted to leave at sure. that stage, but it was just but it's that choice. Pressure. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I think, you know, that that's a lot that's yeah. like really important. No one forces us. Or we feel at times, you know, to that we feel forced or compelled that we have to do something. Um, and so, yeah, so at the moment, I guess, you know, why am I still going? Mm. Uh, it's because we're launching Android in, in September. Um, we've got some, you know, really exciting potential like partners and big organizations that come back to saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is really good. Alumni Networks, we're speaking to some co-working spaces. Like organizations you can see can if we use our technology can really Makes unlock sense. something yeah yeah um and so there's enough of that and i've just got to like follow those things through to to completion and to i won a ticket for an event um to lean startup which is really exciting over in san francisco with um, eric reese or well it's with eric reese but it's i pitched in the uk and i won tickets for the event which is exciting but i need oh to my get God. there myself okay uh, so if there's any airline that wants to sponsor me to do that <laughs> feel free to if you're listening <laughs> to reach out. um and that's a, like in in end of october beginning of november so that's you know it's like i can't not go there and do that like that's part of the journey now it's yeah. like i've got to yeah like i've got to explore that i've like it's it's in it's in the opportunity and if i like go okay i'm done now I'm like, well, what happens had I gone to San Francisco and had I done that? And then whatever, you know. Yeah. So you just gotta, I get that. You know, got to keep keep going it's until it's, it's you've done. Until isn't it, it just a, it's like it's like a series of choices, mm. you know. And um, it's funny because I'm, I'm in a bit of that pickle at the moment where I've been accepted on a free accelerator for three months. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Funded <laughs> by like NatWest and uh, KPMG and stuff. Cool. But they just released the dates, yeah. And they hadn't, I didn't know the dates before I yeah. applied. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm not here. Like, yeah. I'm not meant to be here. So I've asked them, like, is there a different intake? Can I, can yeah. I, can I um, postpone? Otherwise, the choice becomes: Do I choose um, my relationship and my holiday, or do I choose the business and go and, and on this accelerator? And so, you know, and I was having this conversation, and it's, it's, it's a, I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer in terms of my relationship, especially yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, but it's it's uh, it's it's I think it's a series of difficult questions that we have to answer for ourselves, and it leads me to one of my final questions, and we're going to wrap it up soon. Yeah. Um, what when I say taking responsibility, what comes up for you? Um, I think there's a lot in society around like blame culture, and for me, it's about like personal leadership and personal like responsibility. Mm. Um, and so I it invokes um, an emotion, a, a few things. Um, and I, it's funny, I was speaking at an event and I, whenever you speak, you don't necessarily, maybe this question invokes something in me. Um, I went to Auschwitz to visit the concentration camp mm. and the, the guide that we were with said most people look at Auschwitz and a lot of the concentration camps as a very introspectively. So like when they get there, they look very internally at what's going on there. But he showed us the track, and there's one track that basically is almost the whole of Europe descends on, on Auschwitz, and one track that goes in and out. It's not a dual track. It's one track that people were coming in, and then the trains would go back. And the frame of the question was thinking about, that's just the end point, but all the different people that were involved in leading people mm. to to, end, to find themselves up mm. at Auschwitz. So the controllers, the, um, you know, the conductors, the people that were controlling the lights, the different stations and mm. all the network of the rail. And he said, instead of looking and look outwards and thinking about leadership and responsibility and people that played their roles and the resistance mm. and the, you know, as a leader, what would you have done mm. in World War II? And, and, and you can look at this again in society and life today, like 
what how are you playing your part in your community mm. and we can look at the i'm going to say the mess with brexit with what's going on with people and actually strip it all back and we you know there's a lot of talk about business is it you know will brexit affect your business or not it's like actually fundamentally if you're a good business that you know you do i believe what you can do then mm. you can use Brexit as an excuse, but you're more likely going to fail because you had an argument with your co-founder or you, you know, the funding didn't come in, not because it's Brexit, because you're just, it's not right now. And it's, mm. it might be a good idea, but it's just, it's not what the market wants. Sure. You don't have customers. You don't, you mm. know, all of these kind of XL things. And I ended up moving into a new apartment in Kentish Town. Mm. Um, and this is the part that I say the story. And I ended up, not really meeting anyone knowing and i was there for about nine months before christmas so i invited everyone to a christmas drinks thing and as we're like, talking and people are like oh we've not met anyone you know i've been here nine years never met anyone else in the building and i ended up creating a whatsapp group for everyone that lives in the building so there's 25 of us um and about four so 25 flats about 40 people and genuinely has transformed the way that we live as a community. Mm. Everything from I've got leftover food or my freezer's broken, can I destore it? To my car's broken, can I anyone have leads? To, you know, there's a delivery coming because I want help or whatever. And there was a power cut once as well a few months ago that like within a few minutes, someone had called the power company. We knew when it was going to be back on. Someone lent someone some wow. candles. And you've just got, like, again, this sense and that for me is about, you know, I guess I took you know responsibility for mm. my community doing something and think about like each of us how we contribute and how we can add value and yeah. and make a difference and i think you know it, it's an awareness and it takes a type of person instead of like blaming you know people around and your council and government and this is going wrong or whatever mm. which is like a, just a shift in, and you see this with graduates coming out kind of just being like you know what give are you going to give me yeah it's like well no, actually, what do you, how are you going to add value? Like, what can you contribute? Yeah. And I think if you just reframe, mm. um, I think it was Mind Valley did, I can send you the link to this, but it was three questions around what are the tangible things that a lot of people think it's mind and end goals. So that you've got things that you want. So you think, I want this salary and I yeah. want this, um, you know, very physical goods, these things. And then the other two is like, what experiences do I want to have and how can I contribute? And it's actually the experiences and the contribution hmm. that that um, are more valuable actually than the things that you think that you want, you know. And I yeah. think that's where people are happiest is actually, you know, when I can help someone yeah. do something. That fulfillment is, is huge and that's my yeah. responsibility. I love that. And, and it's funny that question came up to me because I made up that that would be something along the lines that would be something, you know, that means something to you. And, and I agree with you 100%. I mean, imagine the world if people took more personal responsibility for their own journeys. And I think a lot of, um, and I make up that maybe this frustrates you, maybe it doesn't. But, you know, when people say, yeah, but that's you, James, you know, you're you. And yeah. you've got that thing inside of you that's made you um, a total freak defying fear and just constantly, you know, facing rejection and putting your ideas out there. But I make up that it, it took time and it was practice. And, you know, it just over the years, you didn't, you weren't like an overnight uh, entrepreneur or success story or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we're coming to the end of the interview. I've got a few last questions. Um, and I generally try and pause and, and acknowledge what my guests and I try and come from the heart and just say something real. And, you know, I'm so glad we got to sit down today. I generally am. Um, it's one of these things, serendipity, where Ben met you and he said, oh my God, I think he'd be a great guest. We got connected, we chatted, and I was just, I think you're an amazing storyteller. I think one of your greatest gifts is that you take complex or scenarios and you make them really easy and simple by stories. And when you tell stories, I want to come along with you. And I'm like, that makes so much sense. Yes, of course. 
And it's such a, an ease, like you bring like a sense of ease into the conversation, to the spirit of entrepreneurs. And, and I think it's amazing. And I'm really excited for you for Causa. I think it's a great idea. Uh, whether it's going to be the next multi-billion you know, user um, app or not, I don't know. But to be honest, I think the fact that you're trying and that you're putting your, yourself on the line and that you're willing to say to people, look how this is transforming lives, just like your WhatsApp group is just an amazing uh, example you. of what happens when you connect people in yeah. ways that they don't normally do. So I really wish Causa, it's C-A-U-S-R, by the way, people. Um, and all the links will be um, yeah. in, in, in the show notes. So Thank thanks you. so much for that, James. I, I really think what you're doing is great and giving back in, in mentorship. What's one thing most people don't know about you? Um, so very recently, um, I... My hesitation is I've not spoken about this. Mm. So very recently, I um, I collapsed, and we were talking about kind of balance mm. and stuff. Mm. Um, and I wasn't feeling very well, so mm. I went to the hospital. This is less than a month ago, mm. so not feeling well. Um, and they did a said my blood pressure was a bit low, so I should go and check this out. So I ended up going and getting an echocardiogram, which mm -hmm. measures the electricity of the heart. I've never really thought about the heart that it produces electricity. Like it's just we're electrical, which mm. is kind of seems crazy. Anyway. Um, so short divergence story, I ended up being in hospital for three days mm. without knowing that I, I was meant to be there. So I went and I just said, um, they did this ECG. They said there was something, they did an ultrasound, they go, okay, you need to stay. So I'm like, oh, my car's on pay and display. <laughs> I was only meant to be here <laughs> in like an hour. Uh, they're like, yeah, you need to sort that out and come back. Anyway, so it led to kind of three days being in hospital. And, um, it turns out I've got something called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Mm. Um, which is on the extreme, the things that the footballers drop dead when they're playing a game mm. and then just suddenly... I think it's what my aunt has. Mm. And apparently one in 500 people have got mm. this, which is like a lot of people. Mm. And um, and I'm still kind of like, I don't quite what it means yet. And I've mm. been told, you know, and I, I obviously told my investors about it. I've like my family and my friends have been like amazingly supportive. Mm. Um and, you know, I was lying there in the MRI scan thinking about life and what I want to do mm. and am I doing. And again, it's very poignant. Like I've spent, you mm. know, around 18 months and you use that stat. Was it how many fail? Seven in 10 in the first? Eight out of 10, apparently. Eight out of 10 in the first 18 months. I'm kind of like just getting over that bit. Mm. So I'm still here. Um, and look, there's lots of challenges and things. But like, actually, there's still this like, I really believe in this and I want, you know, mm. that's why, again, that real almost reinforces like my... Your legacy. My almost, legacy. Yeah. Like, what do I want to... yeah am I here to do this? And I believe that like, I wouldn't, I shouldn't be doing anything else in the world. If I didn't believe that, like I, you mm. know, things like this happen. Um, I've probably had it the whole of my life. And I look mm. back and there've been situations where I've been breathless and I just thought I was a, you know, unfit kid. Yeah. Yeah. And literally these, like there's a list of things that I've like experienced. Mm. And, and this is all like new and like discovery. And, you know, I'm like, it's about listening to your body and yeah. about being, okay, what can I do? What can I, you know, stress myself? Um, and, and it's not stress related it's got nothing to do apparently with no, what no. I've eaten whatever yeah, so there's yeah. kind of on, on this journey um, so yeah most people don't know that about me yeah. and I'm still grappling with it but I think you know the truth of it is it, it has look it provides focus about what's important I was about to say so it's so interesting and, and thank you for, for sharing that because I think it's really real and there's there's a gift in that yeah you know what I'm, I'm hearing you almost shows that there's this gift like wow it's putting things in perspective what's really important to you and you know had this startup not been something you really wanted to do i'm guessing that that life-changing event of finding that out you would have gone like 
fuck this. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go and do something else. But no, you still, you know, you're still attached to it. And, and, uh, and also funny that I asked you, like, do you slow down? Do you know, I early early down? on, I asked you, like, oh, do you slow down? And do you take some time off and stuff? Because I think anything like that would, would make you reflect and, and slow down. Yeah. yeah. So I did, for three days, I was in the hospital. It was during, yeah. the, heat, <laughs> it was during the heat wave. And I was like, I li- did leave hospital being like, what heat wave? What were people talking about? But yeah, um, yeah look, again, uh, I hesitated when, when you asked me that question mm. because that, that was the thought process that went yeah. through my mind. And I, you know, yeah. But uh, I appreciate you asking the question. And, you know, I think, um, yeah. Uh, oh, people who listen to the show are so accustomed to guests sharing things that they've never done before. <laughs> so I don't know what it is about the unconventionalists. We just attract amazing human beings who who end up sharing some real stuff. And then I always get messages from people saying, you know, please thank X guest. You know, that was just really inspiring and, and so thankful that you shared. So trust me, there'll be someone out there that'll listen to this and they'll be like, you know, me too. And yeah. uh, it'll give them that permission. What's a, what's a book? I know we talked about the, the, the Naked Leader. Yeah. Uh, what's been a book? Like if you could hand a book to someone right and you could only give one book to someone what would that book be and why oh there were so <laughs> many i was interviewed we were at the guardian at an event and every answer i kept referencing a book and one of the other panelists was like james we get it that you read books well done <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh okay then sorry um well maybe it's a book that changed your life maybe it doesn't have to be necessarily what you like a book that you just think is like me, if you could recommend me one book, what would that book be? I understand. So, look, we've done we've done the Naked Leader, and that's definitely from a messaging perspective. And if I said, because I don't think I said fully, it was imagine if you couldn't fail, who would you be, where would you go, and what would you do? Mm. And that for me was like super, super, like awesome and powerful. Mm. Um, I don't like the title of the book but it's napoleon hill think and grow rich oh i've got i've got it i haven't read it if you've not read it so if you've not read read it it's one of those books that is referred to so many i know that's why i bought times. it and you're like okay i got like if people keep referring I know, you've got it's to, somewhere here yeah you've got, you've got to do it um so that's definitely like one and it's partly it's interesting and this has come up more around like trusting like trusting your gut and like if you had an advisory board, this is one of the things the book does. Mm. Imagine that you've got um, maybe the world presidents now aren't necessarily a good frame of reference. But <laughs> if you historically, you know, knowledgeable, wise, you know, you imagine you have your council of wise men or women and together they're your community. And if you ask them, imagine you'd ask them the question, what should I do mm. now? Mm. And he- seek going with their guidance. <laughs> Sounds quite holistic, but like actually there's a there's like some very tangible things i think in the book that that really give you kind of a really i I guess that confidence and structure yeah um i was sitting at actually amazing had lunch with muhammad yunus um who founded the grameen bank and won Mm. nobel peace prize um this is the microfinance yeah lending and can i share that brief story around how that came about so i think amazingly i i was i say amazingly you kind of hear these stories backwards um there's something called the marketing academy who um is anyone like in marketing if you've got like five plus years experience you can be nominated and it's a 12-month program and i ended up having some mentoring with a guy called russ lidstone who worked at havas and he introduced me to kate robertson and david jones who run something called one young world which has been going for oh, 10 i saw years. that in your profile yeah so we're over 10 years now and it brings together 1,300 global leaders from over 180 countries more. Um, and people who attend the event, um, Richard Branson, Kofi Annan, Mohammed Yunus, uh, Bob Geldof, like awesome like world leaders and mm. kind of enables young people to have a platform to engage and connect. Anyway, so I was at that event and um, 
I was went out to take a break and ended up I'd applied for a luncheon but I didn't get in and the woman organized it saw me and she's like oh I know you applied you didn't get in but we've got a space (laughs) so I'm like okay amazing so I like go in just again this by chance and then I'm sitting there and you've got Paul Pullman the CEO of Unilever and Ariana Huffington sitting there and various people and I thought I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to go on the table that less people are on because then Richard Branson hadn't arrived yet and I thought he might be (laughs) on the table and various other people so I thought you know what I'll take a risk anyway so I sit down and then all these other people sit down and it ended up being uh, Rich Brand's like entourage, so his social media person, his blogger, and then some other local people. I didn't recognize anyone. And I was kind of like, oh my God, I'm on the dud table. <laughs> like, I'm in the I room, but I'm not in the room. Yeah. This is like a nightmare for me and they're all lovely people. But I was just like, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, in yeah. with world leaders and this is not quite what I thought. <laughs> and I completely messed up. Anyway, a friend comes up to me called Raj. Raj was involved in ISEC, which was a huge international student organization that I went on placements to the Philippines and Colombia with mm. when I was a student and amazing experience. The last time I'd seen him was when we were in Sweden together. And it turns out that he was working for the B team, which is basically the governments of the world kind of not doing such a great job. So the, uh, these entrepreneurs and world <laughs> leaders have come together to create the B team, That's which amazing. is pretty cool. <laughs> what um, a great name. And so I'm in the room and see Raj and Raj, oh, you know, great to see you. Anyway, we start eating and then halfway through the meal he whispers something in the guy next to me and the guy then like disappears and suddenly Raj had placed Muhammad Yunus next to me and so I'm now having <laughs> this lunch wow. and it was like awesome and I told him about I saw a photo of you two actually totally, it's amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were having this conversation and I said to him two things one was like when you wake up in the morning, like, how do you, like, I'm now having lunch with you. How did you <laughs> decide, like, I'm going to go here and what do you, and he's just like, I just trust. Mm. And I guess maybe once mm. you've won a Nobel Peace Prize and you're <laughs> at that level, you can decide, you know what, I'm going to do whatever, whatever <laughs> I want to do today will be just fine. But it also gave me that, like, peace of around just trusting, like, yourself and you're here and you're doing what you can mm. do. And Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill, like I said, don't like the title, but the there's essence of, of that that kind of gave me, mm. I guess, some some strength from that. And I also told him about my new business idea. And it's like, look, I'm doing Student Beans, but this. And he's like, oh, you should go do that. And I'm like, okay. Anything <laughs> else? He's like, no, just do it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And, and, you know, it's like awesome to, to have, I guess, a platform. And again, we put these people on the pedestal. They're, they're people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, um, you know, the greatest thinkers of the world. Are, yeah. Are just like us. We're, we're, that, that's one of my final questions around... Um, who inspires you? Um, so it's it's. I'm gonna say the the doers and the creators. Elon Musk is just from a visionary perspective. I do have a prediction in this that Apple are gonna buy Tesla, and then Elon Musk is gonna run Apple. That's like my just prediction that I'll put out there. Um, <laughs> You've heard you it heard it first, first exactly. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but but I think you know it's it is everyday people that are taking responsibility and you meet people that mm. are you know they they bring an energy and excitement a commitment to to making change and doing something so i think it's you know i guess fame's an interesting thing because you can put out these i guess examples of people um but there's yeah i think there's definitely within me people that inspire me that i meet that like yeah they're, they're just committed and mm. they believe and that they're doing something that can make a difference and yeah. taking responsibility. Yeah. So. Love that. Uh, what does being unconventional mean to you? Um, so it's, 
thinking thinking differently than other people i think the and I know I keep referencing Steve Jobs, but the the Think Different campaign that this advert that's got his mm. his original so the, the voice misfits. to it, the misfits, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like that's for me the unconventionalist like all over. Mm. And it's about whenever I'm feeling a bit like mm, I watch that advert again, yeah, and it really like resonates with me. And it's um, there's the film is it salmon fishing in the Yemen, mm-hmm. and you've got this like swimming upstream, mm. and it's like going against that tide mm. and it's about standing out and it's about doing you know standing out for for good reason and to to challenge the status quo to be willing to do again what others aren't going to do because you believe in something that's that's going to change like my world or the vision of my world is i can land anywhere in the world log on to causa and connect with people and have a meaningful connection just like i've got my whatsapp group in my flat mm. like that's the world that i want to be in and create and community mm. and feeling you know the world's full of this isolation and loneliness and like how depressing you know it it can be for people and the challenges and actually that we're social deep down we're social beings that want to connect that you know we do i think we are genuinely good people that Mm. like do want to be happy and succeed in life and help each Mm. other um, that might sound quite idealistic, but like... No, I love it. It's like... They're, that's they're what I want to create. <laughs> it reminds me of a plaque on a pub in Canterbury where I went to uni that said, uh, there are no strangers here, only friends I've not yet met. Absolutely. And Causa kind of makes that happen. Sure. James Eder, you're an inspiring man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I wish you and your team and Causa all the very best and success. And I know that we'll keep in touch and we'll meet again. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I did. I just thought that James had such an incredible story such a such a young age to be hustling in the words of of Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V um and I just think it's an incredible reminder of that nothing comes easy and that we've just got to be willing to put ourselves out there to fail a lot and to face our fears and to do it anyway and next week we're going to have Johnny Bang Riley in the house I'm super excited to share with you his interview you can go and check out his video right now on YouTube it's just a part of the interview the full interview will be released here Go and check it on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Mark Roos. And if you want to show James Eater some love, if you want to go and check out his, his website, make sure to download his app, Causa. There's actually a group for the unconventionalists. So they've gone ahead and created a little community for us. So that means that when you download the app, you can see who near you is a member of the unconventionalist tribe. How cool is that? Meaning that you could be anywhere in the world and you could see that someone, hey, you listen to the unconventional podcast or you're on Mark's newsletter or you've been to one of his events, one of his talks what have you and you can all connect that way and i think that's super super cool so make sure to go and do that all the links everything is over on the show notes and markroos.com forward slash podcast so go and check that out and i want to wish you a phenomenal august next week we're going to be releasing a podcast and then i'm going to be taking a break for a week so if i don't speak to you before the end of august i want you to know that i'm thinking about you that i'm wishing you a phenomenal summer that i hope that you take some time off and go and enjoy some time with your friends and family and loved ones And I cannot wait to see you next back on the Unconventionalist podcast.